do ring lights here. It's part of the business. Anyway, welcome to the program. My name is Dean. Uh, as always, everything you can do and see, you can find at Cryer Media. You can go to YouTube and watch this live, the video version of our podcast, uh, YouTube at Cryer Media, Dean Blundell Show Cryer Media. You can get everything we do at Cryer.co. As always, brought to you by our friends over at factcheck.io, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. Let's clean up the internet one piece of crappy information at a time. Join their beta testing team, software, and social media capacity that doesn't exist. Gatekeepers and a disinformation killer. If you want to get rid of disinformation, uh, get on the email list to test out factcheck.io. Well, 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 what an interesting couple of days. So last week, was it Thursday, Friday? And uh, listen, you, you have to understand something about me. I, I, I love all the content, right? I obviously stand up for my values and I know what I'm all about, but I appreciate other people that understand how content works too. Um, do I have an eye for it? I don't know. Some people say, some people say I do. And one of the things that caught my eye last week was a tweet from a gentleman that, um, is heavily involved in Alberta politics. He is the director of Take Back Alberta, a uh, tweet that was leveled at a couple of people that caught my eye. And I thought, oh, let's, let's have a look at that. Let's have, let's have a little peek and see what he's, what he's talking about. And what he's talking about is getting rid of corruption. David Parker is well known as the director of Take Back Alberta. Um, he is incredibly influential grassroots, um, organization that has really captured the minds and the hearts of conservative voters in Alberta. And you can have a problem with him. He and I both have problems with each other when it comes to policy, when it comes to what we think is the right way to do things. But if there's one thing we agree on, it's that we need first principles in politics. Now, David Parker's story is fascinating. David, uh, used to work for Aaron O'Toole. He rose to fame in Alberta, decided that he was going to apply himself to bring real change into a province that he likes. I disagree with that change. I disagree with a lot of things he says, and a lot of things he does. He disagrees with me, a lot of things he says, a lot of things he does. However, there's one place we align, and that's first principles. Uh, and when David launched that tweet at Pierre Polyev and Jenny Byrne this weekend, um, it hit the fan. And it hit the fan because you have a conservative movement that's in high gear. Uh, you have a, a lead, uh, just an enormous lead federally, and then this tweet is not something that happens, you know, in between provincial and federal parties. It just isn't. And so David Parker has been kind enough to join me today, and he wants to talk about a few things. He doesn't just want to talk about the tweet. He wants to talk about why he's here and why he does what he does, and he joins us today. Please welcome the program uh, from Alberta, Arts Unknown, David Parker. Mr. Parker. Dean, thanks for having me. I see you've been uh, doing a lot of fight promoting for this interview. I, I, I have to call you out on a few things. I'm definitely not Danielle Smith's boss. Come on. Uh, and she, but I will say she's not my boss either. So I think that's an important distinction. And before we begin this, I want to be clear because I think this is very, very important for her mm -hmm. and uh, for her feeling of integrity. She has actively asked me to not do this interview. Yeah. She has told me that she thinks I need to seek help for doing this interview, that I've gone insane. Uh, she's not the first premier 
to say that I'm insane. Uh, you may have heard of that before, but uh, I really feel like I need to do this. Uh, it's my moral duty. And I, I'd like to add that nobody in my life <laughs> is currently supportive of me appearing on this show. In fact, I've had old mentors send texts that I should never contact them again. Uh, and there's been a lot of pushback on me doing this, but I, I feel that it is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And I am following my conviction in that regard, uh, despite the intense pressure to do otherwise. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah, the pressure has been intense. Um, and I will say like, like, I gotta be clear. The premier has made it clear in no uncertain terms that she thinks I am doing something bad. So Danielle Smith. Yes, premier Danielle Smith does not believe what I'm doing is right. Okay. And uh, and I want to make that distinction because I understand that the media likes to tie us together. But in this regard, uh, she has nothing to do with this and, in fact, directly opposes it. Okay, so Danielle Smith, after you send out that tweet, did she get back to you? And I'll get to the tweet in just a second. Yeah, she and said I went too far. She, she said I went said too far. She said you crossed the line? Okay, we'll get yeah. to the tweet in just a second. And has she told you not to appear on this show? She just told me to, to go seek help and be quiet and delete my Twitter, uh, which I think is fair. Like, I can understand why someone might feel that way. Like you pointed out, yeah. uh, I'm attacking a man at the pinnacle of his power. Now, I would argue I'm not attacking the man himself, and we'll get into that. But... Um, my mom named me David and, uh, yes, she did. and I'm not afraid of power because mm -hmm. I don't serve power mm -hmm. and I believe, uh, in what's right. And I hope that everyone who listens to this will, uh, measure me by the words that I say and the deeds of my life mm -hmm. and not by the propaganda that has been spread by people like you about me. Um, what so <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I call it like I see it. I call, I, I call, balls and that's and fair. That's yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as do you. I mean, we, as do I, as do I. And I'd like to add uh, yeah, one last ahead. thing. Sure. Um, I've been told by a number of people, actually dozens of people, uh, that prime minister Justin Trudeau will be watching this episode. Yeah. Uh, many people have told me that he's planning on watching it and I'm sure he's quite gleeful. That, uh, uh, it's not just the Pimo's office that's watching this. There, uh, you know, the Prime Minister's office is watching this. Uh, Jenny Burns' lawyers are watching this. Pierre Polyev yes. is watching this. Anna's probably watching this with a mimosa in her hand in a basement somewhere. Like, a lot of people are watching <laughs> but, this. But I, but I have a very uh, specific message that I'd like to convey to Justin Trudeau before uh, before I continue uh, this interview, and that's that I forgive you. I know that uh, a lot of people, especially myself, have harbored a lot of hate and anger in our hearts towards you for the actions that you've taken. And I personally have harbored a lot of hate and anger in my heart towards you for not being able to go to my grandmother's funeral because of the mandates that you put in, not being able to have weddings for my sister because of the mandates that you put in. And I don't believe that was right. And I believe you should be held accountable for that. But I want you to know that the hate in my heart is gone. Uh, I have forgiven you. Mm. And I hope that the people of Canada will also forgive you because I believe that it's actually their hate that fuels you to keep going. Uh, you are in, uh, despite what people say about you, Mr. Prime Minister, you're one of the best campaigners uh, the world has ever seen. And I know that because 
I'm a great campaigner and I watch what you do and you're a genius at campaigning, but I believe you've used your genius to divide Canadians, to turn them one against each other. And I, I think some of the most saintly people I know are filled with anger when they hear your name. And I would ask you to truly look into your own heart and wonder why you respond. And I get it. When, when people attack you or people attack me, the response is to attack back. And you're a boxer. You're a fighter. You don't just take punches. You give them. But I think to all my Christian brothers and sisters across this nation, there's a command in Scripture. And it's to love your enemies. And if Justin Trudeau is truly our enemy, then the command is for us to love him and to forgive him. So I want you to know that message. And I think it's important for what, we do, what we're doing going forward. Now, forgiving someone doesn't mean you forget what they've done. And it doesn't mean you don't hold them accountable. I know. Let me, just, let me just ask you a quick question. Okay. Um, shouldn't you be forgiving the premiers of the province that instituted those mandates? I forgive them of, too. I forgive them those too. Are, those are provincial <laughs> mandates. They weren't federal. Well, ultimately, here's what it is. Here's what it comes down to. Okay. I gave my life uh, out of love for this country. I was making $8 an hour when I was in the prime minister's office. If you totaled my hours and divided it by my salary. I loved Canada. And the thing that I'm forgiving Trudeau for is that he made me no longer love this place. And he took the love I had for this country away. Mm. And then on, on that note, and I think this is very important. I have a message for Jenny Byrne. And it's that I forgive her too. Now, again, forgiveness doesn't mean that we should forget. And it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be held accountable. But I have been acting out of anger at the corruption, anger at hurt, personal revenge. And those motivations will not fix this country. If we're going to fix this country, because it is broken, if we're going to fix it, we need to learn to forgive one another. This victim mentality of teaching people that they're victims in all the ways they've been oppressed and attacked and hurt, we have to end that. But we also have to end corruption. And we don't have to do it out of hate or seeking revenge or looking to hurt those who have hurt us. We need to do it because it's the right thing to do. So that's the intro, we'll call it. Now let's do the intro. All right, good. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, okay, so you've forgiven everybody that you're going after. Uh, you've forgiven Jenny Byrne. Uh, I want to get to the tweet. I want to get to what kicked this whole thing off. Yes. And Because when I saw the tweet, you know, the first thing in my mouth was, because we've talked about it, is what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> it's true. Um, A lot of people have asked me that. Yeah, uh, let's get to it. Uh, here it is. This is the tweet that kind of started it all. Uh, you tweeted, was this Friday? I feel sorry for Aneta Polyev, Pierre's wife. She has to watch her husband spend hundreds of hours a month with his old friends with benefits. I am sorry your husband doesn't give you the respect you deserve, Aneta. No man should be spending that much time with a woman he used to sleep with if he is married. Not done there. Uh, I want to get to that tweet. Followed that up with, 
Uh, Jenny Byrne replied to Jenny Byrne, who's a senior advisor to Pierre Polyev running his campaign, was just outed as a big old lobbyist for Loblaws, and she's uh, seeing better days in terms of the good PR. Uh, so she tweets, this hour has 22 minutes. Happy Valentine's Day. You then creep or tweet. And on the reply, you say, oh, look, it's Jenny, the loser alcoholic. Remember in 2015 War Room uh, when you day drank all day and Harper wanted to fire you? I remember. So these two tweets I put into a news post because I found them newsworthy and they went viral this weekend and they resulted in this interview. Let's get to the first tweet. And the first question I have is, what are you doing? Why? Okay, well, this is an interesting one because everybody I know has contacted me and yelled at me or disowned me or told me I've gone too far on this tweet. And and to be frank, I understand why they're saying that. Uh, bringing people's spouses into politics is seen as pretty repulsive by Canadians. And my action on that could be construed as me attacking Anita to get to Pierre. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that Anita is a ruthless political operative in her own right, which is part of why she married Pierre Polyev. And she has been actively going around blackballing me and telling people not to work with me. Now, the reason for that is because she believes that I started a rumor about her husband that's well known and documented and in articles about me. Uh, because of some drunk texts that were shared of mine in order to take me out in the lead up to Aaron O'Toole becoming the leader of the Conservative Party. Now, I did not start those rumors, and I've not continued spreading those rumors, but the reason that I sent that tweet is to send a message to Anita. It's that I punch back. And if you continue going around trying to hurt me and the people I care about, punch back again that's just the nature of things but you don't have to be in a war with me and if you choose not to after the series of discussions that dean and i are about to have i have no problem with peace hmm. okay so this was this was motive it was not motivated by political fortune this was motivated by a years-long beef that you have with Miss Polyev, Mrs. Polyev. Well, that's why I uh, addressed her, but also I think on a moral level, mm-hmm. I believe that Pierre Polyev is discrediting his own leadership by spending so much time with someone he used to date when he's married with a family. Now, that's my belief, and I yeah. hold to that conviction, and I do not apologize for saying that I think that that is wrong. I feel like it would be wrong if I did it. And I ask the married women and girlfriends of this country, would you feel comfortable with your husband or boyfriend spending that much time with someone they used to date? That's what I was talking about. And and it actually digs into the problem of Jenny Byrne. And Jenny Byrne is why I sent that tweet because, yes. So let me let me ask you a question. Let me just back up and bring bring people along. So you send this tweet for a couple of reasons. It's not just because multi, you're multi, multifaceted. We'll call. It. All right. Yeah. Because when when I wrote about the tweet and the things that I said were, Mr. Parker doesn't give a shit. You can't fight rules of engagement when they don't exist, which is impressive. <laughs> um, but you managed to uh, corral a few different things into that tweet. And, and to your point, I want to kind of go through it real quick. Um, you basically called Anna Polyeva cuck. 
So there's well, I want to I want to clarify on that. Let me clarify on that. Um, I said that it is inappropriate that her husband is spending so much time. I'm not claiming to know whether or not something is going on between Jenny Byrne and Pierre Polyev. I don't know. But what I do know is that it is inappropriate for a husband to spend that much time with someone that he used to be intimate with. Let's call it that. And I think most Canadians agree with that. I do not claim to have any knowledge of whether or not something's happening between them. Okay, so but 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 and, and it's not an allegation; it is a fact. You know, and there are pictures of them kissing. Jeff yeah, that's. I'm, I'm trying to be very factual with this yeah. tweet. I'm not trying to spread false rumors, and I want to clarify any attempt at false rumor, perhaps by yourself. I am not calling Anita a cuck. Okay, I am I'm just not I'm trying saying, to clear it up. In fact, in fact, I like. In fact, I'd like to point this out, Dean. I'd like to point this out. All right, Pierre would have to be blind to be doing that. All right, like. Let's be honest. Okay. Like he would. That's it. Hey, listen, your value's not mine. Your word's not mine. I understand what you're saying. I know where you're coming from. I, I get it. I, I understand. Uh, we're not done breaking this down, though. Um, so you're not calling her a cut. You're simply saying, warning shot, you should have a problem with someone spending time with his ex-girlfriend hundreds of hours a week, right? Yes. Friends with benefits. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Were they friends with benefits, Pierre and, and Jenny? Or I don't know like, if they were actually dating girls? or not. I, I know that they were very. They, they had a, a long term, some sort of relationship. Okay, and so I find that odd, right? That yeah, I think it's super odd. I I, I think it's inappropriate. Yeah. Well, again, these are your values. I and, yeah. but I and I get what you're saying, and yeah, usually a wife would have a problem with that. Uh, then you said you uh, that Pierre doesn't give her the respect. And I find this last part interesting, David. Maybe you could kind of shed shed some light on it because I, I don't know. No man should be spending that much time with a woman he used to sleep with if he is married. Is that you saying if he is married? Are you questioning whether or not that? I'm not questioning him? whether he's okay. married or not. No, I know. Okay, I know you use that as, as promotion for the fight, and I appreciate <laughs> that. You're a great promoter. I respect your art, but no, I'm not saying that they're not married. That's that's absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this sits in. Um, a series of issues you have, one personal maybe, you've had experience with, with Jenny Byrne. Is this been a long... To be clear with everyone that yeah. I need to forgive on the personal side, because that is... And I want to I clarify this, okay? Yeah. Um, I have brought shame to the name of Christ by how I've conducted myself. And my parents have addressed that with me. And I'm the kind of guy that if you tell me I've done something wrong, I'm going to get my back up. Yeah. And you can imagine a lot of people have been telling me I'm doing something wrong right now. Yeah. And, and I kind of can get in the mode of David versus the world when that happens. And that's really horrible because then I just end up hurting the people around me that love me and they're just concerned and they care. Yeah. And um, I want to apologize uh, to my parents and my wife for times where I've allowed anger to use words that bring dishonor. Now, the tweet you just read, I stand by that tweet. It is a true tweet, and it is my values, and I will not back down on it. But uh, in the case of Sarah Hoffman and making fun of her weight, that was inappropriate of me. And in the case of Nenshi and calling him grotesque, uh, that wasn't necessary. And, uh, and, 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 and it's not because this I actually the men's portion of what you've been doing for the past little while. And I'm, I like, it, and it isn't men. actually cause I feel, uh, sorry myself for those yeah. things, nor, nor that I don't think they're true. The reason that it's wrong is because, uh, my, as my mom puts it, uh, 
it's the truth, but it's not the truth in love. Mm. And uh, and the, and the reason and a lot of people are angry. People that love me, people that are following me, people that are volunteering their time are angry with me because when I use language like that, it it it, it reflects on them and they have to defend me. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's important uh, important for me to say that I am s- deeply sorry to my to my God for discrediting Christianity by being so angry. But I'm angry because I believe that horrible things are happening and something has to be done about it. Um, thank you. Uh, I, you know, and I, I understand the separation too. You and I talk a lot about faith and politics. We'll get to that a little bit um, because I think it's an important conversation. I don't believe there should be any. You, you believe the opposite. You know where I stand on my former faith. I'm an apostate of your current faith and you and I have crisscrossed when it comes to ideologies, right? But you're getting to something that's important to me. You're getting to corruption, which is something yes. that you and I have talked yeah. about. Um, you know, in, in reference to these tweets, which are your tweets, right? Uh, you know, no matter what happens, I know there are a lot of people that are watching this. Uh, you're going to have to prove these allegations that you're going yep. to make or what you're going to make over the next little little bit because you are on a mission to end corruption in politics. That's what I get from these tweets. Well, let's, let's clarify, because it's important to bring clarity and detail to every point, right? Please. And so I'm not looking to end corruption, because I don't think that's possible. I, I am looking to increase involvement to the point where so many people are paying attention that corruption becomes too difficult to do. And I think that's an important distinction. So what I is- want... So many people to get involved in politics and not just going and voting, but showing up at constituency association meetings, at annual general meetings, showing up everywhere at school board meetings. They need to start showing up everywhere and getting involved, volunteering, and actually doing the hard work of building their society. Because this is an important point I want to make before we we start uh, discussing certain allegations, and it's this. It is so important that we realize that no politician can save us. Mm. And that if you put your faith and your hope in politicians, you are going to be disappointed every time. And take that from someone who has time and time again, no politician and certainly not Pierre Polyev. I'm sorry to say it. No politician can fix your society. Mm. Only you can. And That's because our society is in the place that it is because of our apathy. We don't show up. We're not involved. We don't even, we don't even talk to each other anymore. Dean, you and I talking like this is blowing up the internet because we're on polar opposite sides of a culture war. And we're both seen as members of that culture war. But if we don't, if we don't all as the regular citizens, we cannot send the politicians in to fix this. That's what I'm going to say. We, the regular citizens, need to start calling it out. So this is where you and I are are actually quite aligned. You know, and and it's funny because the horseshoe theory works in different aspects of sociology. Everybody understands that is disenfranchised people. We have 40 million Canadians who sit around and go, eh, it's one or the other. Like, you're screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. Voter app is an all-time high because of that. We're literally watching corruption run away with provincial politics here in Ontario. Your boy, Doug Ford, I know he's not your boy. <laughs> not like, my boy. Not he's, my under, boy. he's under criminal investigation by the RCMP for international money laundering, enriching his donor friends. You and I both don't like that shit. We just hate it. I hate it. 
Yeah. And you know what? You know who taught me to hate it? You're not gonna like the answer to this, but you know who taught me to hate it? Eric Stephen Harper. Oh, Harpsky. Yeah. Because I I was the biggest Harper fan you've ever met, and that was the biggest thing. I, he hated lobbyists, and that's why it's so tragic that he became one. Yeah, that's he, what the IDU really, is. It's an international really lobby organization for conservative dickheads, right? <laughs> Failure well, no, I, I don't think the IDU is really like it's Wellington, right? That's where he makes his money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but the point is, I think it's tragic that he became a lobbyist because he hated them. And I, I think actually the story of Stephen Harper, if, when we write it in history, it it's going to be sad because like I think he became bitter with Canadians for how they treated him. Truly, I think he's cynical. Do you, um, do, you, do, you, do you still talk to him? You still talk no, I've never, I've never talked to him since I left his office. And you're right. You know, you talk to a guy like Tony Clement and he'll go, the boss was not about lobby groups. The boss calls him the boss. He wasn't about the special interest shit. He was about, you know, hard driving for his ideology and conservative values. Then he yeah. starts, then he leaves the prime minister's office and he starts the IDU and he's hanging around with some questionable people and he's got questionable ethics and literally look at Wellington and IDU as if he basically turned when he got put out by Trudeau and said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to feed this country with resentment. I'm going to do it on a global <laughs> scale. I don't know that you might be taking it a little far, but, but he certainly became cynical and bitter about Canada based on how Canadians treated him. Yeah. Cause I think even though a lot of people like the amount of hate that Stephen Harper got, for what he actually did was absurd, absolutely absurd. And, uh, and I actually think that it's contributed to what's happening right now, even in the States, which is this obscene war between two sides. The part maybe you and I need to help with, we can hate each other's ideas and not hate each other as people. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a very dangerous road to walk. And I think he was one of the first casualties of this culture war. And and he was a victory for your side, let's call it. You guys held him up as a trophy, and you still do. Dude, but I, I, I voted for the guy. So you're right. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but my yeah. point is not your side necessarily, but you, let's call it the progressive side, sure. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I – oh, one second. I've got to plug my computer in. It's a dime. You, you, you didn't plug second. your computer in before you started this interview? <laughs> Dude, are you serious right now? Parker, come on. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. Nah, yeah, you don't need to be ashamed. It happens to the best uh, of us. Anyway, done interviews with the I should be better than this. But. Oh, we're fucking, we're learning, David. You don't have to get all upset by a power cord. You're going to be just fine. We're going to figure it out. David Parker, the director of Take Back Alberta, joins us. I can't even uh, figure out how to get his computer going. But Now you got it. Did you play There we go. We're good. We're good. Okay. okay. Okay, so let's leave Harper for a second. I want to get to Jenny Byrne. Um, have you heard back from her since you've alleged she's a loser? Oh, many, many times, but in politics, it's important. Uh, often, very powerful people, they never actually communicate directly with people. Yeah. This is also a mob tactic, and it, it helps secure you from any liability, right? If, if you're not the one passing the messages on, then, you know, you can't be tied to the words you're using. Mm-hmm. So she's contacted me through very a large number of surrogates and also... Uh, contacted pretty much everyone in my network uh, to try to get me to not do this. Okay, so who is she? Who is Jenny Byrne? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the best way to think of her uh, is uh, the the hammer behind a lot of politicians. The knife. The she she is very aggressive. Like a, like a Ray Donovan. 
She's like Ray Donovan a little bit. I don't know who Ray Donovan is. Oh, he's but, a fixer uh, in Hollywood. He's a great series. Okay, he's, yeah, 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 she's a fixer, but also like she's very intimidating. People are very scared of Jenny Byrne. Wow. Everybody's scared of Jenny Byrne because she's ruthless. She she she'll absolutely she she has no qualms about destroying people, and she destroyed a lot of people. You have examples of that, but you me. that you yeah that you can prove that you what does she do? Explain that. Um, she really hated me when I was in the prime minister's office and had me, uh, let's, we call it pushed out in the business and I got moved over to Canadian heritage. But then after that, if I ever wanted to work on like a major campaign or be involved, it was well known that Jenny Byrne did not want me. I was blacklisted for lack of a better word. Now I can later on send you dozens of people who've contacted me who'd be more than happy to chat with you about the things she's done. She's not a well-loved individual and, and rarely the person who holds that role is right. Her role is basically to do the, uh, the uncomfortable parts of politics. And in fact, one might argue that, uh, that I have often fulfilled that role for other politicians. So I can understand uh, perhaps why she feels like there's a little bit of hypocrisy here uh, with me saying, Oh, you, you've destroyed people. Well, well, David, you've destroyed people too. And that's true, and, and I that was not right, but uh, it doesn't make what she's done right either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there there are personal examples you've had. She blacklisted you and pushed you out when you were. This is you can call talk to any MP. There's a reason everyone's scared of her. Okay, so I want to know about that reputation because I've had very small interaction with Jenny Byrne in the past. Like you keep in mind, I had a long history of doing radio. I was very friendly with a bunch of conservative interests, specifically John Tory, a bunch of other guys. So you'd have these people come in. I was involved in certain aspects of conservative politics just as a friend. I was not involved in conservative movements. I was not involved with the party. I've been to some fundraisers, et cetera, et cetera. So grazed Jenny Byrne a couple of times. And she was always quite nice. But if you understand anything about Jenny Byrne, and I'm asking you questions I have answers to, keep that in mind. If you understand anything about Jenny Byrne, she is tasked with being the bulldog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's the pit bull. She's the the aggressive one, we'll call it. She she's the one that like if you've done something bad, you'll get a phone call and someone will yell at you. That's her Mm -hmm. job, right? Mm -hmm. And she's done it quite effectively and and that's why she's so powerful. So why are you going after her? Is is this is this a shot across the bow? Is this do you want to take her out of politics? Is this uh is this is this something that you're doing because you're convicted morally? Because that's kind of what we talked about earlier. You hey yeah, personal attacks, sure. You could argue because I have that affliction of an alcoholic. You have also been down that road that you don't out people that have drinking problems and you're alleging that she's a quote loser alcoholic in that tweet as well. Um, but like this is still very personal in nature and it is in party, meaning, you know, you're in the conservative movement in Alberta. She's in the federal conservative movement. She's a big swinging dick in the cracker factory. And you just dropped a nuclear bomb at the doorstep of Pierre Polyev and Jenny Byrne. What do you want to get out of this? Well, let's talk more about Jenny Byrne first uh, to yeah. describe kind of who this person is before uh, before we go into why I did what I did. And but and this is David Parker's words. Yes, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Everyone can check into this. Yeah, and, you're gonna uh, have to prove all this, not me. <laughs> absolutely, and uh, and uh, and and the most important thing to understand is that she's considered to be an amazing political strategist. Is kind of how her reputation is. Uh, but the evidence of that is severely lacking. She wa- she 
claims to have been heavily uh, responsible for the 2011 election campaign in which Stephen Harper won his first and only majority government. But most people within the industry are fully aware that it was Doug Finley's genius that brought Harper's campaign machine to its height of its power. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Honorable Doug Finley had passed away. Or I guess he's not honorable, but his wife was. Anyway, Doug Finley, the legend, the hero, pa had passed away. And Jenny Byrne was left with uh, the 2015 campaign. And she was left with the responsibility of stopping Justin Trudeau. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I'm going after her, well, there's many re there's a number of reasons. But the biggest reason is I have full conviction that if Jenny remains in the role that she's currently in, we will lose the election to Justin Trudeau. Hmm. And so you you want to take her out of the mix because she's bad for the conservative party or she's not a real conservative in your mind? No, no, because she's very bad at her job. Okay. And the evidence of that is the barbaric uh, cultural practices hotline. Do you remember that? I do. In 2015, uh, there was a horrible announcement that occurred during the election in which Kelly Leach and I believe it was Chris Alexander got in front of the media and said that a newly elected conservative government will implement a hotline that Canadians can call into and report their neighbors for quote barbaric cultural practices. This was, this was keep in mind, if you remember, this was uh, uh, an answer to, hating on Muslim people for being Muslim. This was about ratting out Muslims. Yeah, that was, that's what a lot of people said about it, and that's definitely what Muslims felt from it. So yeah. regardless of what was meant to be conveyed, I'm not going to speak about intentionality. Most of the Muslims in this country hate Stephen Harper because they believe that he wanted other Canadians to, to rat on them for, quote-unquote, barbaric cultural practices. Now, I think it's very important that the truth come out. And the truth is that Stephen Harper did not approve that messaging day. And Jenny Byrne did it anyway. Mm. Wow. Be because she believed that she could use hate for other people's faith to win an election. She started the cultural barbaric practices snitch line hotline she was, was the one when after harper said he didn't want to do the announcement she went forward with it anyway not to his knowledge she get fired after that i don't know all the details because i wasn't allowed in the war room because uh i'd been blacklisted by jenny byrne yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> even though i was arguably at that time at least within the top thousand best campaigners in canada just from sheer volunteering and, and, and experience, right? So, so that's a, that's a big bomb, right? You know, the, the barbaric cultural, bar, barbaric cultural, it's called barbaric cultural practices hotline. It's a little bit difficult, but yeah. Yeah. The Muslim snitch line. That's just what we called it. I was under the impression when that happened that what are you people doing? Like a, it, was, it, was it was absolutely insane. insane. It was stupid. It was like the COVID snitch line only. I would argue it cost us 10 to 15 seats minimum. And it definitely gave, I would, I would say that that alone gave Justin Trudeau his majority. Mm. Mm. So, so she's not a good strategist. 
she lost the 2015 campaign. But but I'll give you another story of why this is very dangerous. Please do, but but hang on. 2015 is that where you saw Jenny Byrne hammered ass allegedly? Oh no, this is well known. If you okay. if you ask anyone who worked in that worm, she was day drinking the whole time. And I don't want to, like you said. I'm trying very hard not to make personal attacks in this interview because of the people who love me have deeply asked me not to do that. And I know you want me to for the, for the clicks, but, uh, but I'm trying not to, and you're right. Actually, you're absolutely right. As someone who struggled with alcohol, attacking someone on that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And listen, a quick aside, you know, and I take, I take wellness seriously. I can look past ideology, you know, the Twitter's the Thunderdome content is what it is. It's a human being there that might struggle. And, and if you've seen that struggle and if you've lived that struggle, it's tough, man. Like, we got to help those people. Right? I've, and, I, and you're right. And, I, yeah. and, and it was wrong. It, it was wrong. And that's why I said at the beginning that I've forgiven Jenny Byrne because I d- attacked her yeah. out of anger um, and pain. I attacked her out of pain. Uh, yeah. Alcoholics, as alcoholics, we talk a lot about why we drink. Yeah. And uh, a big part of that is pain. Mm-hmm. And because I'd been hurt by her, I wanted to hurt her. And that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, emotional decision. You make an emotional decision, you lose 9.9 times out of 10. Anyway, it spawned this incredible opportunity. We're having a conversation. You've it is what it, it is. It wasn't appropriate. Uh, you're still standing by certain parts of this. I want to get to it. You said there's another example. Then we'll get, you said she's a well-known Okay, so this is just, these are just campaign examples for people yeah. who know campaigning. It's going to be a little bit inside baseball, but that's my area of math. Take us in the war room, Parker. <laughs> so... Does everyone remember when uh, Ronna Ambrose was the uh, interim leader of the Conservative Party? Then there was yeah. leadership race, and Andrew Shear won, and Ronna Ambrose stepped down, and that riding became available. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Alberta, nominations are the election in most ridings because Alberta is a very conservative place, and people vote conservative. And so there's a lot of competition around nominations because it's an MP job for essentially as long as you want it or as long as you're not stupid enough to lose it. Mm-hmm. And one of Jenny Byrne's best friends, Jamie Moseson, was running for that nomination in that riding. And she was endorsed by Ronna Ambrose. And uh, actually, I was at the time Jason Kenny's regional uh, director for Central Alberta for his leadership race. You were friends with Kenny at one point? Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I, I worked for him. <laughs> I worked for him. I helped get him elected many times. Well, oh, twice. so, so you, you just hate duplicity. Let's put a pin in that and we'll, we'll deal with it later. Go ahead. Uh, and, um, and then I told him that actually there was a guy campaigning for that seat. He was a good friend of mine. His name's actually Dane Lloyd. Uh, We went to university together. I told Kenny, I bet him, I made a bet with him that I said, actually, Dane is going to win that nomination. And Jason Kenny said, there's absolutely no way Dane's going to win that nomination. Ronna Ambrose has endorsed Jamie Moseson, and Jamie Moseson is good friends with Jenny Byrne, and Jenny Byrne is managing that campaign. Well, Jamie Moseson is not an MP, and uh, Dane Lloyd is. So she's not awesome at her job. Is that what you're saying? She's not good at not good at politics. It's a lie. <laughs> so what is she doing? Like, like why is Jenny? If she's this bad at her job, how is she so close to? Uh, have you ever have you ever like been around a bully? Like a really good, effective yes. bully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say you're on one on a call with one right now. <laughs> yeah, but I like using. Listen, there's a thing I know about bullies: is that you can. You can actually have a conversation with a bully 
if you yourself have a little bully in you. But anyway, <laughs> and that is probably true. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, and, and it takes one to know one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, that, and that, obviously, that word has been used. I'm not. I, I've got a glass way. house. I got a glass house here, so I'm throwing stones from a glass house. I'm fully aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. what I'll say is, um, she's one of the biggest bullies I've ever met, and people are scared of her, and uh, and she is ruthless and she never gives up so aren't those good qualities like you know you'd, you'd want oh yeah there would be good qualities if they were being used for good okay so she's she's just you're alleging she's a bully she's mean she's bad at her job and uh that's pretty much it right like that's, no, she's, no, okay, no, there's no, no 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 there's more no there's more <laughs> I, oh, I think they were hoping that this was the end, right? They're like, oh, that's okay. We can survive that, a bully yeah. and, and the bar uh, barbaric cultural practices. But no, I, unfortunately, though, I have forgiven. I've not forgotten. And, you're saying the tip of the iceberg? We've only covered a few of them? Continue. Well, like, uh, the things are going to be coming out over the coming uh, months uh, yes. because there's a lot of people who do not like Jenny Byrne. She's, she's not a beloved member of the conservative movement. She's just scary and ruthless. But again, as I pointed out, she's actually not even good at her job. So she's got to be removed because the, let's call it the vibes. I don't know if you know my friend Anthony Kosh, but he talks a lot about vibes. Oh, it's you and, of years. We went at each other the other day. Yeah, we're good buddies. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't probably doesn't want me to say good buddies right now. But the point is, I love the guy. <laughs> I think he's amazing. There are a lot of people <laughs> in the movement that are like, David, who? what? I'm, oh, what? I'm not even associated with that guy. But... Um, but what I'll say is uh, he always talks about vibes. And, and that's a Gen Z version of what I'm going to say as a millennial, which is this. Politics isn't about facts. And this is the thing that a lot of uh, people who get into politics don't understand, is that people in general don't govern their lives based on facts. They govern their lives based on feelings. Yeah. And vibes is another word for feelings. And I think it's hilarious when Ben Shapiro says facts don't care about your feelings because I think that's a meaningless statement mm -hmm. uh, because I don't think feelings care about facts. And I think that a lot of people uh, in this country have a lot of feelings around politics uh, that are actually driving everything. Yeah, dude. And, and hold on, hold on. Liars, <laughs> liars too. Right. right. Yeah. And the vibe right now in the OLO is let's shake down lobbying firms now because we're going to win and we're measuring the drapes. Mm -hmm. They're so certain that victory is assured that they're arguing over who are going to be cabinet ministers. Already? Shannon Stubbs is going around Alberta telling people that she's going to be the next energy minister. Hmm. Like this is the vibe in the conservative movement on a professional staffer and organizer level right now. They think they got and I think bag. that is absolutely stupid. Mm -hmm. And I believe that these kind of things come from the top. They come from the leader. Uh, and right now, the leader of what's called the campaign organization of the Conservative Party of Canada is Jenny Byrne. And I think taking things for granted is a certain way to lose. And I also think that Justin Trudeau seems strangely confident, don't you? He doesn't seem to be concerned at all with Pierre being 17 points ahead in the polls. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves is why not? Why, why is he not resigning? Why is he staying on? 
What does he know that we don't? What do you think he knows that we don't? I don't know. But what I do know is that I think the members of the Conservative Party of Canada should call for the Conservative Fund to audit who owns the vendors that are being paid for all of the campaign activities. Hmm. Let's dig into that if we can. Well, we got to be very careful because, as you said, Jenny Byrne has a lot of lawyers watching this. But, yes, let's <laughs> dig into it. Yeah, that's what I heard today. I heard I got a text where someone's like, Jenny Byrne's the lawyers that are watching. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> and he's like, what do you want me to tell her? I'm like, tell her I'm apolitical and I still don't care. And I said, fund me. I'm like, go ahead and tell her to make a donation. Um, so let me ask you that. Your concern is that these people have hubris. The Conservative Party of Canada is operating. That's a huge concern, and that is often a flaw of Jenny Byrne's leadership as someone who studied her leadership for quite some time. Out of hate, admittedly, but I have studied her and obsessively am aware of her, her flaws and All her right. abilities. Yeah. Okay, so your, your, your issue is yeah, you want a real conservative movement in this country. I don't. You want a real conservative group of people who are going to get the job done. You don't think these people will. You don't like how they're carrying on, like it's in the bag. I'm going to be the energy minister. Shannon Stubbs, is that her name? Is that yes, her Shannon name? Stubbs. Has been, well, her husband has been telling people that, and I have that from clients of his. So, but if, if he, she's going around going, when I when we take over this country, I'm going. To, I've been promised to be the energy minister. Is she really telling people that? Well, her husband is. Oh, is he? <laughs> I love it. My wife's a lobbyist, by the way. Oh, shocker, shocker! Another <laughs> place that we align. I hate lobbyists too. Jenny Burns, a lobbyist, and they get they get. She is a lobbyist. Oh, totally, she's an active. She lobbyist. owns a lobbying firm. Two of them. Uh, she owns two. <laughs> it's not not just one, but two. And she's doing work. But but, but here's here's an interesting uh, little little thought. Okay. Yeah. What I hate more than anything, and I think you're probably the same, and actually it's what I hate in myself the most, is hypocrisy. Yeah. And Pierre Polyev is going around bashing Justin Trudeau's head in, saying that he loves gatekeepers and that Pierre is going to work to get rid of gatekeepers. Well, this is a message to everybody in the conservative movement that's actually in the movement, like the, that has some kind of seniority. We all know... That Jace, sorry, that Jenny Byrne is the biggest gatekeeper in Canadian conservative politics. And how is it that the man who says he wants to get rid of the gatekeepers is promoting and valuing the advice of someone who's known as the biggest gatekeeper in conservative politics? Well, can we dig into that for a second? Uh, and then I want to get sure. back to the vendor thing. So, you know, to your point, like I extrapolate this, you've got different reasons for the things you say. I look at the reason that you're talking about gatekeeping. This is a gentleman, Pierre Polyev, who I believe is the most duplicitous piece of shit in politics. I really do believe that. And he's running around telling everybody for the past year and a half on our dime, as he's been campaigning on our dime, running up the score on our dime, begging people for money on our time, that, and this is the part that I love about this gentleman, um, he's been running around telling everybody that he's the only person that could get rid of the gatekeepers. Week ago, he decides he's going to he's going to make porn illegal in this country. He's been telling people for those two years as he's been campaigning on our time that we don't need any digital identification in this country. We don't need any gatekeepers in this country. And his foray into anything online, which he keep in mind, he benefits greatly from it being wide open. His foray into this wasn't misinformation. It wasn't 
wasn't proper information. It wasn't accountable information. It was, we're going to force 40 million Canadians to give me, and I don't trust that guy. And we'll get into that in a second. 40 million Canadians to give me their driver's license so I can identify whether or not they're old enough to watch pornography on their actual computer. I mean, are you kidding me when it comes to words and words not matching up? And that's one thing I respect about you. While I disagree with you, your words match your works. And your works are more deadly than your words in most cases. So when I look at Pierre Polyev, if I want an actual litmus test of what that gentleman's all about, he's about duplicity. He's about a lie. And he'll use anything that he can to be able to force people into the tent, right? And and that's one thing that you do not do. As unpopular, I, I don't as, do that. No, no. As unpopular as some of the things that you do are, things that you say are, you'll stand there. You'll stand I'll there. Take and you'll it. Stand by. I will take it. Now, but but what I want to say is, I I can't speak to to his soul because, as uh, the Bible says, God judges the outward appearance. Or sorry, God judges the man judges the outward appearance, but God judges the heart. And I, I take great comfort in that because man has judged my outward appearance quite aggressively. Uh, but I hope that my heart is in the right place. In the case of uh, of Pierre Polyev, though, I think it's actually less sinister than duplicity and more um, a lack of confidence. Um, what do you mean? Like he doesn't have confidence or you don't have confidence in him? He he lacks confidence. Um, why would why would why would he be keeping a crutch like Jenny Byrne around? Uh, when she can only really damage him in 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 a mul multiplicity of ways, uh, if he didn't feel insecure, it doesn't make any sense. But 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 further 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 to that, even if he isn't duplicitous, why is he acting in duplicitous ways by promoting gatekeepers in the party? And 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 here's the evidence of the gatekeeping: the nomination process. And this is not a lie. It's not. It's not a, some kind of slander or defamation. Go look at what happened in Shuvaloy Majindar's uh, nomination in Calgary. Go look at what happened in Arpan's nomination in Ontario. Uh, go look at the fact that Jenny Byrne has promised the entire caucus of the Conservative Party that none of them will face nominations if they've faced a nomination in the last, I believe it's nine years. I don't quote me on that, but basically the caucus of the Conservative Party which I consider to be not a very strong group of people is not being refreshed by the competition of democracy and they are protecting the weak in order to manipulate them. And that is all the evidence that I need that Pierre Polyev is going the wrong way. He is trying to concentrate power around someone, Jenny Byrne, it seems, and is not... Not, not following in the principles of our party, which is that this is a democratic party and we, the people, elect our representatives, not Jenny Byrne and her cabal in Edmonton deciding who gets to run where and how and when the nomination will be open. And there's no transparency to the rules and it's, it's becoming corrupt. Hmm. And that is my biggest concern, is if we can't have nominations, we can't hold our politicians accountable. Mm. Okay, ask so, the conservative movement. Ask the conservative movement. Yeah, these people are not acting. You think you, Pierre Polyev and Jenny Byrne do not act in good faith when it comes to the democratic process? Uh, I think they're manipulating the democratic process, and everybody knows they are. And I know it happens in all parties, but it's wrong. And yeah. I, it's not. As I've told Danielle Smith this. I told Jason Kenny this. I have been against this every time I've seen it. I hate it. 
it's 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 gross. It's it's a desecration of a sacred thing. Okay, some would say that you have done the same thing with Take Back Alberta into the UCP party. I've done everything democratically, and I and I've said everything that I was going to do before I did it. There was no duplicity, and you did it. You didn't I lose did the 2015 election. I did not. <laughs> That's got a driver crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you don't trust who's at the top of the conservative leadership ladder. You don't trust Jenny Byrne. Uh, you don't like Jenny Byrne. You're not the only one in the conservative movement in this country that hates Jenny Byrne. You don't like her. Okay, but remember, I'm trying not to hate, right? Okay, I, okay. Right? I'm right. trying to lay that down. This is actually about the problem, not my feelings. Undemocratic, rigs the process. The process to nomination is undemocratic. She has an iron fist on this party, and you've had enough. And that's what this is all about. Well, it's about the fact that if we lose to Justin Trudeau, I don't think Canada survives. And I think we're on the path to losing to Justin Trudeau with the arrogance of the people surrounding Pierre, with the incompetence of the people surrounding Pierre, and the corruption of some. I'm not aware of all, but some. And this corruption that I want to talk about is very key, but I have to be so careful because they'll try to sue me. They're, they're going to try to destroy me for saying this. Well, if it hasn't already but started, here's how corruption way. works in political parties. Please. Okay. The donors give money. That money is spent on vendors. Vendors are people like you met, you know those annoying phone calls you get from political parties asking you for your support? Sure. Someone has to be paid to make those phone calls. You know the letters you receive from political parties? Mm -hmm. Someone usually has to be paid to deliver those letters. You know those, and those memes are called that vendors. Get put out, those memes that get put out. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Everything, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. And um and that money is how a lot of people in politics make their living, okay? Is the donor money that's then given to vendors. And what I want to know, and I'm not claiming to know the answer to this, but I want to know who owns the companies that the Conservative Fund of Canada is paying for all of their campaign activities. Give me an example. Robocalls? For example, yeah. uh, polling. Who's, uh, why is there no transparency at all on where all of this insane amount of money that is being raised by Pierre Polyev's team is going? There should 30, be transparency. Is it $35.2 million last year that they raised? I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it's the most that has ever been raised by such a high margin that it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that's an unreasonable request. So wait a second. Let me, let me, let me just see if I understand this because I'm slow. Um, you're saying that your concern with corruption in and around the whole process with the conservative party, all parties are corrupt to some extent, all parties give money to vendors to be able to curate different aspects of their campaign, their reputation, all that other stuff. Polling, no, that's not, there's nothing wrong with vendors and there's nothing sure. wrong with making phone calls or making memes right. or any of these things. But the but question is, who's, who is benefiting? Okay, so I'm going to ask you that. So who owns the companies? Like who? Like um, I, I, I think it's just a question that needs to hang there in the air. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you a question. Okay. Okay. But I don't know. Four months ago, we were sued by Canada Proud. This is Jeff Bollingall. Canada Proud is Mobilized Media. They're the official meme company. You know, the official <laughs> 
Or one of them. One of one them. Of official digital meme company. One of them. They have several. Um, would they be a vendor? I don't know. Because I don't get to see any of that information. And here's what's weird. Neither does the council. Council for the party. conservative party fund? They don't get to see it either. So who's in charge of that money? Let's say because I fund, do. which is the separate from the party. Okay, so who runs the fund? Right now, uh, Staley, Robert Staley. Okay, and there's no accounting for where that money goes to support the. Well, I'm sure there is money. accounting, but uh, it's never transparent. You haven't seen it. I have not seen it. No. Party members haven't seen it. No. Is this a bone of contention in the party? Might be. Very sly. Could be. Let's let that hang in the air and let people go and look for <laughs> vendor issues. Wow. Um, I'm just saying that if one person happened to own all of the vending comp or all of the vendors, right, and they were enriching themselves off of that, uh, I think the Conservative Party of Canada would want to know. Now, I don't know that. I think there should be an investigation into it, and maybe we find nothing. My guess is we would find something, but I. That is a something guess. So I, uh, what I'm call, I can hear the five things that I'm calling for. If you'd like okay. to hear them. Yeah. Okay. So five things you're calling for and what, like these are, if, if you were to send you would ask from them, correct? Here's what I'm, here's what I'm uh, requesting. I really, you, you don't want this. I really want this. I really do not want Justin Trudeau to remain the prime minister of Canada. Okay, so more, just, than, more than anything else. Okay, when you before you get to the, uh, you, you're not done one before you get through two through five. Let me just say this: I have never voted liberal in my life. So Perfect. You say you know you I've always said that I like I like uh, NDP voters because they're more honest. No, like I'm at not, least never voted NDP <laughs> either. It's been conservative or green or independent, dude. Like legit. Oh, there you go. Yeah, 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 wow, yeah. nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, there you go. But Might um, not but, this time. So, but my point. Hang on, just let me let me quickly back up. So uh, the first one is lay the track again. Then we'll get to two through five. Okay, so yeah. So so the very first one is open nominations because okay. we cannot have a democratic party if we don't have no open nominations. And also in this spring, we're having a redrawing of the boundaries uh, for the electoral districts across Canada. Mm -hmm. So some ridings are not even going to be fifty percent of what they were. We we need to have nominations to see who will represent the Conservative Party in the next government. Okay. And the fact that that's being manipulated by people like Jenny Byrne, and that's the unquestionable. If she wants to come after me for that, like, bring it. But the fact that that's being manipulated is a sign that corruption is seeping into Pierre Polyev's inner circle. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is, that's the first. Open okay? nominations, number one. Open nominations. Okay? And that's a fair request. I don't think that's unreasonable. The second thing that, that I'm saying is... We need to root out corruption within the Conservative Party of Canada before we try to root it out of the country. Clean up your own house before you We need to clean up our own house in the way that Jordan Peterson would say, clean your own room. And we're spending an awful lot of time talking about how horrible Justin Trudeau is, and we have some real problems within our own movement that have to be addressed, or we're not going to have the credibility with Canadians to govern. You're afraid something's going to come out. Yes. I think, aren't you? Like, I'm, 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 I'm hearing what you're saying. You and I have not rehearsed this. 
This is no. not, this is none of, and by the way, none of this is edited. There is something hanging over Pierre Polyev, isn't it? More than well, one thing. It's the only—I I don't know that to be true, but it's the only thing that makes sense because I cannot comprehend keeping someone around who is so incompetent, yeah. who is so disliked, and who is, frankly—I mean, she's—she's. She's, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make accusations that I can't right. prove. But um, but let's just say that I know that she's incompetent, <laughs> and I know that she's disliked. Okay, she's disliked. Because let, let, let's get back to this. Jenny Burns dislike you. Don't like Pierre Polyev. These people do not share your values. They uh, and I want to be. I want to be clear. Yeah. I do want to defeat Justin Trudeau, and that's why I'm doing this. I'm not okay. doing this because I I want to hurt Pierre Polyev. I'm actually doing it because I want to show the people of the conservative movement of this country something, which is the leader doesn't matter, and I think I proved that in Alberta. The leader doesn't matter. Okay, our involvement is what matters, and we win when we show up, mm-hmm. and we don't win when we don't. And you, I'm begging the Canadian people not to put their faith in Pierre Polyev, not just their faith in him, right? Put their faith in themselves to go out and defeat Justin Trudeau. But let's not make Pierre Polyev into a messiah. Let's not make him into Mohadib from Dune, mm-hmm. right? Let's not become fanatics who will just ruthlessly follow a leader who doesn't share our values. Let's let's tell a leader, these are our values. This is what we want you to do. And if they don't do it, then we need a mechanism to remove them. And that is the message of Take Back Alberta. That is what we did in Alberta. And that is the message that is repeatedly sent to Danielle Smith. And I want to clarify something because people say, David Parker is Danielle Smith's boss, and nothing could be further from I the said truth. That. I, said I know, that I no, nothing could be further from the truth. But there's only three requests that Take Back Alberta have ever made of Danielle Smith, and it's these three: no more mandates, no more lockdowns, no more electronic voting. And as long as she keeps her word on those three things, anyone who wants to take her out has to come through me, and that's just going to be how it is. Well done. Uh, you prefaced the whole conversation earlier by saying Danielle Smith absolutely thinks I'm crazy and wants nothing to do with what I'm about to do. And then right there, you're like, she's she's the best. I love her. She doesn't love me, but that's okay. <laughs> ah, she'll get over it. She needs you. Um, okay, so so you're con- I mean, we've, we've, we've shared the level of concern. Your concern today, the reason why you're doing this, we're coming around at equal parts, you know, things that have happened in your party that you don't like equal parts corruptive process, equal parts, dude, that guy is going to lose in 2025. We cannot have him there. And equal well, parts... Well, hold on. I'm not saying we can't have him there. He could he could reform himself and become the hero we need, but he has to he has to act he with can. integrity and, and truth. You think Pierre Polyev is going to start acting with integrity today? I'm asking him to. <laughs> no way. And, and integrity... Listen, I, I can smell it on people. I smell the, the, the skeletons they have in their closet. I lived a long time hiding secrets and shame. That's what I did. And I watched the way he acts. And I know things, you know things. This man is not good for Canadians. I believe that to be true. And what you're saying here, as maybe one of the most powerful conservative campaigners, one of the more powerful people in your movement, maybe the most important in the country, 
not no, 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 dude. You know, you know, it's true. I completely disagree with 98% of the things you say and do, but let's just call a spade a spade. You're not, you're not having this conversation with me. You're not launching those tweets because you're afraid of repercussions. And there's a very good reason for that. Right. And the reason is, is that you've created something almost bulletproof when it comes to what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So now you're swinging into a different arena and you're but swinging into that that's the arena that I come from. I know that. However, it's like, a yeah, I was going to give you an analogy that, that uh, I love to give to people. So imagine that a, a 23 year old hockey player gets drafted to an NHL team and they win the cup. Yeah. Right. That's a pretty cool moment for someone who gets drafted that's their first year. They're a rookie. Rookie year, you win the cup, right? Yeah. That was my political uh, story when I first got into the prime minister's office because the prime minister's office would be the equivalent of a Stanley Cup winning team for a political staffer, mm-hmm. right? And and I got to be on that team. But then I was kicked off that team. And I don't want to go too much into the details of that because, again, I don't want this to be about me. But what I will say is then I got moved off to like a bottom two team. Right of the thirty teams, I was like in the in the bottom three or four teams, uh, especially from a conservative perspective. Canadian heritage the is not exactly. Of politics. No, 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 no. Hold on, it's still the NHL. You're still okay. on, you know, but you're never going to win the cup, right. right? And then I got kicked down into the WHL, and I changed the game of hockey. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I think the evidence is there. Uh, and now I'm coming back to the NHL. Well, you're coming back with like you've you've got better skating skills. You've got better yeah, I'm, I'm much better than I was. I'm, <laughs> and I don't drink, and that's the big difference between yeah, yeah, that yeah, and this one. Well, it's, it's in line with you know the rise that you've had in politics and in your industry and in the business that you're in uh, coincides with you not drinking, right? It coincides absolutely, with absolutely. You're going to clean your life up. That's where we we connect as well. Yeah, and I want to be clear. When I was a drinker, I was an absolutely terrible human being. Like I, I, I was not a good person. I was mean. I was, you could probably see the evidence of it because it's still, there's a lot of residue left from that. Uh, The anger. I'm a dry, yeah, dry drunk sometimes, (laughs) Uh, but I'm trying to get better. And uh, one one of my mentors uh, who I know is watching this always tells me a little bit better every day. Mm -hmm. And I hope he's proud of me today. Well, listen, um, let's just stop down for a quick second to talk about that because, um, you know, I, I enjoy a series of conversations with a bunch of different people about a bunch of different topics. None more important to me than the topic of wellness and sobriety. Right. And we talk about a bunch of different things. You've arrived at, you know, what you believe to be true through a series of events, um, you know, drinking, drinking too much, being unhappy, which is why we always drink, right. We drink to get away, to numb, to cope, all those different things. Um, and I always say to people, cause you know, this, you know, I talk, uh, there are lots of people that I work with to help them understand why they drink and to help them not drink, to help them be happier people. And it's really never about the drinking. It's always about your mental or emotional state, right. And not dealing with those things. And so once those things are dealt with, you can go and be capable as opposed to always being a victim. Right. And you talked about that victim mentality to start this whole podcast. And, and, and dude, there's, there's nothing I want for anybody, including Jenny Byrne, who, by the way, hey, listen, you're letting me into a world of hers. I'm unaware of, right? So, and she's only ever been nice to me. But when I saw you send that tweet, I looked at it from a perspective of humanity, right? And I know you, 
you and I have heartfelt conversations about drinking. We have heartfelt conversations about being whole, about the Roman Empire. Last night we were talking about astrology. astrology. <laughs> like there are human beings in Not astrology. Astronomy. Uh, astronomy. astronomy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love the stars. You're big Elon Musk guy. Everybody yeah. has these. We're all human beings, right? And, and I know Jenny Byrne, and I'm well aware of her reputation, the questions that I've asked you, but I'm well aware of Pierre Polyev's reputation. I have no problem doing this interview. I have no problem unearthing things that people do that are untoward with the electorate, with our tax dollars. I fucking hate duplicity. But I'll tell you something. That picture of Jenny Byrne, I, I just see misery in that face. I see it, right? And I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for anybody. And it, and it doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter. You and I have been at the zenith. We, we, you know, money is not the issue. The issue is unhappiness. And we drink because we're unhappy to forget about things we have not dealt with yet. So as a human being, right, I feel sorry for her. I felt sorry for her when I read that tweet. And it made me very happy to see, hey, listen, should not have gone there. I appreciate that. Um, and you can separate, you know, personal attacks, personal behavior from what you're trying to accomplish. And if I'm going to judge that, I'm in agreement. I'm not just in agreement because, and I'm not a libtard. I'm not in, in agreement just because I completely disagree with theocracy in politics. I completely well, disagree. Yeah, I don't believe in theocracy in politics either. And, 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 and here's the other thing. I don't think any, any Abrahamic person who has accepted Christ as their savior or any Muslim person who has this higher calling, which is, it's all about eternal salvation. You and I can have this conversation. I don't think they should be involved in politics. I don't think anybody. That so how, how, how is that uh, not discrimination? It Well, and this is the part I wanted to get to. Discriminating against a small group of people. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, it'd be discriminating against people based on their beliefs. Correct. So what are you doing to trans people in Alberta? I don't think that I'm discriminating against them. I, once they're adults, I don't care what they do. But I think that um, because they believe something under the age of eighteen. No, no, it's because uh, we don't allow people to smoke under the age of eighteen. We don't allow them to go into bars. We don't allow them to to make decisions that could have long lasting impact on their lives before they're eighteen as a society. Yeah, and I think that uh, mutilating yourself is not uh, not exactly a decision that should be made lightly. And certainly not be made as a child. It should definitely be an adult decision. I have nothing against uh, people who have, uh, let's call it, that, that call themselves trans. I have, I have nothing against people. I cannot imagine the mental torment that someone would be going through to believe that they were born in the wrong body. That seems like one of the most horrible things that could happen to a person. And I feel sorry for them. I feel pity for someone who would be going through such horrible pain but i do not believe that we should be allowing children to make permanent decisions about their bodies when we don't even let them smoke or go into bars and that's my firmest belief i have nothing against the lgbt community despite what the media says i do have a problem with what i believe is a religion uh, I see the woke, let's call it ideology or DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or uh, cancel culture. I see it as a, f a form of religion, 
And I'd love to have this discussion with you because I think it's a very important discussion. James Lindsay's done incredible academic work on this and, and is quite a genius on these things. And, and he articulates himself far better than I ever possibly could on these issues. But you can say that I hate people and, uh, and cause division and make them feel hated. But I do not hate them. I, I, I didn't say you hate them. I asked what you're doing to that what I'm doing is trying to protect kids from permanent decisions they may regret. Okay, so let's 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 just quickly break that down. That has nothing to do with you. Oh well, Everyone actually, it, it does because I have a child and I don't want them to be educated that they might have been born in the wrong body. I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, I totally understand that, dude. I get it. I come from the same um, apologetics that you hold dear, right? I get it. I get why you feel the way you do. Disagree with it because I used to agree with it. Um, and I look at, I look at the trans LGBTQ non-binary community as people who are struggling through a journey. And the last thing I need to do is take a log and throw it on the path. And that's what oh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. The, where the problem becomes is when they start telling everyone that that is the right path. Well, and that's not, the right path for them. Now, hang well, on. that's fine, but, but they're not, they're not okay with saying that. Everyone has to say it's the right path. In fact, I have to use their pronouns. And I understand the politeness, but they're they're compelling speech. Yeah, but, but that's, I, that's a that's a they that's can't a compel speech. Yeah, but you can't take that brush and paint everybody with it and say that that's the norm. I have never had my speech compelled. I have never had once someone come up to me and say it's he, she, or they, they, or he, I have. Or her. Well, and that's you, you might be performative because people don't react. I have no idea. Sure, you this have. This is before before any anything that I've done. Publicly sure. on this topic. Sure, but that still has nothing to do with a child who's confused about what they are. It still has nothing to do with the rights. Confusing of that children about what they are is horrible. Well, not, yeah, but you're, but dude, but that's like, what they're doing when they're teaching children in school these things. That's what no, they're doing. No, that's what you're saying that they're doing. I, have I know, I know, I can, I can prove it, and and, and uh, there's there's mountains of evidence, and and not only that, the vast majority of Canadians agree with me. Do you have any cited sources for that? Uh, well, they, uh, let's call it the Leger poll showed that the vast majority of Canadians agree. And parents do want to be part of their children's lives. Yeah, and no. I'm talking about policy here, buddy. Like, I'm not. I'm, here's what I'm talking about. Okay. And this is very difficult because it was hard for me to understand. I'm having a heart to heart conversation with you because this is important. There's a, okay. there's a young teen trans man, trans teen, who, who killed himself yesterday. He was on the Eager Beaver True North podcast this morning on this network. And this young man died at his own hand. His uncle uh, gave an interview to Nate, Nate at the breakdown. You probably don't like Nate. That's fine. Um, to talk about what this young man went through. And he cited that decision to not allow this him options, just options, to be able to source some kind of treatment, some type of understanding. Because, you know, the mutilation thing, you can't apply that to everybody. Because I have the numbers. And the numbers for trans kids in your province I think there was 12,000 non-binary trans people living in the province of Alberta, four and a half million people of that one fourth were children. So you're talking about 3,000, 4,000 children in a province of 4.5 million who just want answers. They want to know what their options are. And these bills somewhat performative because these options still exist federally for these people, these, these young men and women who are just trying to figure it out. And dude, it doesn't matter if it's sexuality or anything else. They're just trying to understand it because they feel different and they can't explain it. 
And, and Alberta has removed those options. That young man took his own life yesterday. And I'm talking to you as a parent, right? A, a parent of a child. I've got three boys. You've got a child. I want okay. all those options. I want them, and, and I'm speaking to you because this matters to me. I'm not, I'm not looking at this like, hey, you did this to these people and you did it because of these reasons. Dude, man to man, you can't do that. You can't remove options for children when those children have nothing to do with you and all they're looking for is answers. That is a major, major problem. And listen, I get it. I know where it comes from. But do you understand where I'm coming from? Well, I guess I would. I think we're we're blame we're we're blaming two different. I I think teaching a child or allowing a child to believe something as heinous as that their something's wrong with their body and that and that there's this like weird idea that they were born in the wrong one is is I find that to yeah, but there's not being there's not being taught. It's being presented. There is being taught. It, no, it, it, they're, kids are not being told they're in the wrong bodies. They're yes, being they shown are. educational material from people. No, they are. Where? I, I, if, if you, you know what we should do? Let's have James Lindsay on a, on a podcast, the three of us, and we'll have a chat. I'm, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Let's do I'd it. Let's to. do it. That'd be yeah. very good. He, he is the expert on this topic, but, and he'll give you, he'll give you uh, peer reviewed, you know, sourced material yeah. on all of this. I, and listen, I'm, I'm on this education too. I come at it from a really empathetic, I'm a big softy. <laughs> I know all, all the biggest bullies are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really empathetic. Like I'm that guy when you see someone struggle that has to stop to help them because it's not just good for me. Is it? It bothers me to see people. I don't want to see people suffer. And I actually, I think the difference is that you don't want to see people suffer. I don't want to see people suffer. But we believe that different things are causing the suffering. Correct. Correct. Right? And I, I think believe I believe ideology is causing that so I well, actually we both agree on that I I think it's ideology that's Good causing the suffering too yeah so consider it anyway I want to get back to this other shit because it's important faith and politics right yeah um, yeah you I, you you believe that people of Muslim faith and people of Christian no. faith or maybe Jewish faith no. shouldn't hold office no I believe anybody who lives who's made a sacred oath with any kind of deity they can't prove is real any sacred oath to give your entire life to him because you believe or her or it or whatever God you serve, because that usurps everything else. You and I know how eternal salvation works. We know what the sinner's prayer is all about, right? Um, because you're never going to make that final decision in the best interest of the people you say you serve if you serve a God who you count on for the afterlife. You and I both. Well, well, okay, but let's uh, let's imagine a God who loves us enough to send his son to die for our sins. I put a lot of faith in that God. Yeah, and see, that's where you and I kind of diverge, right? I agree. I think forgiveness is the ultimate strength, and I don't know what you think. Um, I believe forgiveness is is very important. I believe empathy is also very important. But back to this issue is that if I'm coming to you, and this, let me just give you the example. And I say to you, hey, listen, you need to make a decision as a politician in the best interest of these people who are gay, who are gay, that, you, that don't align with your faith, that don't align with your ideology. Does a, a born-again evangelical Christian or a devout hardline Muslim have the ability to make that decision, or is that decision cloaked in their faith? And I've worked with enough people. I've worked with lots of guys. I come from this church. I come from this background. I've been in the – I've watched pastors in the pulpit – talk bound on the pulpit, talking about 
we're going to put people in political positions so that we can return our Christ, our Lord, our Savior to the head of this country. Ah, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Actually, I think what you're hitting on is a very important point, and it's a very dangerous point. And uh, it's actually the thing that I'm... That's the impression a lot of people have, right? Well, I'm aware that the media has painted me as a Christian nationalist, but I'm not um, at all. In fact, if anything, I'm one of the people standing between you all and Christian nationalism. Um, And you don't realize it, but go look at James Lindsay and I and the work that we do together, there's no, and he's my favorite atheist. You, you come in, you know, you come in there, but he's my favorite. And we, <laughs> I'm, and we I'm get on along. the list of your favorite atheists. Maybe, maybe we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but he and I have amazing conversations, frankly, like, like you and I have, mm-hmm. um, and we don't agree on that. We agree on all of my politics, which is something you and I don't agree on. But he he does not believe that there is a divine being, and even or or he believes that if there is, he doesn't have access to it. Um, and he thinks that Christian nationalism, and I want to be clear on what Christian nationalism is. Christian nationalism is a heresy in the church, and that heresy uh, is teaching people that the role of Christians is to take over society and rule it. That is a lie. Uh, Jesus is very clear about these things, and it would be—it is a complete heresy to believe that we should have Christian princes that rule over populations. Uh, Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world," and he did not win victories with the sword, and he did not do violence, and. I believe that any Christian who calls for violence has committed heresy against Jesus because he says very clearly, turn the other cheek. And I want to be clear. People are going to say, but David, you're a hypocrite. You don't. You fight back. You attack people. And that's true. I am a sinner. And who more would need a sinner? Or what more would need God? Who more would need God and forgiveness than a sinner? Jesus didn't hang out with the churchgoers. He hung out with the prostitutes and sinners. My kind of guy. Because because he knew that they were the ones that needed him. And I want to be clear. I know I need him because I know what a sinner I am. And I admit it. And I think that's the first step to redemption. But that's my faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of your, I think, rather ludicrous claim that, that people of faith should not hold public office, I think that's just straight-up discrimination. Uh, maybe. Yeah, you might, you might, you might got it. I mean, you know, that was a springboard into a couple of discriminatory conversations, right? I wanted to have that conversation, and it might be, but I am from that faith. I understand it. I, I, dude, I can take you through the Old Testament, New Testament. I can too. I can too. I don't think you can beat me. I don't think I can either. I know you've memorized large portions of. I have. I have. I know you have. And I, and I also apostated, by the way, at twenty-five. I just came back. You split. Like you I just left. I didn't believe it was true. Where I thought that we lived in only a material world that had no actual meaning beyond our existential uh, imbued meaning that we create. Uh, that was my belief. And I, and I followed along the existentialist philosophy for a while and found that it led only to despair and also more alcoholism. Um, so 
I gave my life to Christ at 32 years old and, uh, and surrendered my, my own will to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think your, uh, your interpretation of Christianity has an awful lot to do with the pain that you've suffered from Christians and a lot less to do with Jesus. Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, let me take you through that. Right. Um, I grew up in the church. I grew up in evangelical. Three Hills. I know Three Hills Bible or Prairie Bible College well. Probably. You've probably been there. You've probably ripped through there. There are Three Hills outside of Three Hills. There are. Um, and, and I'll tell you, being in an organized faith probably fixed a few of my issues because there was no room to be able to sin. There was no room to do something wrong. You had to be in your room at a certain time. You would be doing devotions at a certain time. Then you had Bible study at a certain time. You need chapel in the morning. So I needed that organization in my life. But I, I could, ne- and I never converted. I never was a born again Christian. Never was. Uh, I played along with the role because it was a family thing. Because I couldn't square a couple of things. Well, then if you never were, you haven't apostated. Yeah, that's true. I just spent a lot of time. Then if you never were, were, then you don't, then you can't even claim that you were. What a ridiculous claim. Yet another, yet another one of your hyperboles. Disinformation. No, but I, I absolutely observed it, right? Like you, you, you prayed. You but, but if you don't believe it, observance is hypocrisy. A hundred percent. So I was one of those, you'd call them Sunday Christians. One of those yeah, people. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and I would see people have these conversion experiences. And I'm like, no one speaks in tongues. That's ridiculous. You know, just- <laughs> I, I got to say, I've always struggled with tongues as well. I, I, I can't handle it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I don't understand it. I'll just put it well, that you way. You don't understand it because it's literally just guttural sounds. I don't, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I'm not yeah, going to claim to understand people's heart, but it doesn't make sense to me. I'll put it that way. There's a reason. It's because it's gibberish. Anyway, <laughs> we'll get back to the other parts. Is that I realized something early on. Is that, you know, this whole idea behind eternal salvation it's got to come with a little proof. Listen, if I'm going to pretend to be a persecuted people on this planet, and if I'm going to adopt an ideology and an operating system, I need some proof. There's not. Oh, well, that's very interesting. Okay, I'm not a Christian because of eternal life. Yeah, yeah. No, no. What do you mean? That's like, not why I, I'm a Christian. No, you, you're. A I, Christian I don't. Because, I'm not you, a Christian. You appreciate the the operating system that comes with. No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian because I believe that it's true that if you suffer. Uh, along with Christ, you will be redeemed, and I've seen the ad evidence in my own life. And and quitting drinking is a very big example of that. But there's so many examples. A bunch of my friends and I call it the ash, and and it's actually the number one thing I want to teach my child uh, throughout their life, and hopefully more, uh, is that the only path to success is through hard work, and hard work is always suffering. And when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he is saying the path to life, the path to redemption is through suffering. And because people don't want to suffer, people want to be comfortable, but, but that is the truth. And it's, and it's such a universal truth that someone like Jocko Willicks or all these people say the same thing. You have to suffer. You have discipline equals freedom, right? A hundred percent. And, I and I think that. that is the message of Christianity. And, and I think redemption, the idea of redemption, the idea that, and I think Danielle Smith is actually a perfect example of this in real life in the sense of it just happened and we can all point to it. That's redemption. What happened to her is redemption. She okay. was the most hated person in the conservative movement in Alberta in 2014, 2015. And then she went on to be a premier who will end up being, whether you like it or not, one of the most successful premiers in Canadian history. And I know that because I, 
I know her heart and it is actually good. She doesn't want to hurt trans kids, no matter what people say. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. She wants to fix problems. That's what mm -hmm. motivates her. And that's what I respect about her. Okay. Totally appreciate that. Um, to, to my point, when it comes to what you believe and what I believe, we believe, and it's, and it's not about eternal life. You believe it because it comes with uh, guidelines that you appreciate. It comes with salvation. It comes with suffering. I don't disbelieve parts of that, and I study philosophy, stoicism. Yeah, stoicism and things like that, yes. Yeah, so... so I, maybe we should just say stoics aren't allowed to uh, to hold political office as, as well. Maybe we just any belief system, really. You can. You can absolutely say that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it, but... Uh... <laughs> but, like, I believe that uh, if you're uncomfortable, you're going to grow, right? I yeah, believe... oh, my... my, my um, a very important person to me, his his life philosophy is stay uncomfortable. Stay uncomfortable. Get yourself into situations where you feel weird. That's suffering to me sometimes. It's it, oh, absolutely. It is, is a huge amount of suffering. suffering. Yeah, the point of life, you see, and this is where we differ, right, is Christianity is very close to some aspects of Stoicism. And let me explain that to you. Suffering is being uncomfortable. It's putting yourself in a position to experience discomfort so that you can grow, so that you're used to it, so that you understand it, so that you know that life has no free rides, right? And helping yourself isn't putting your hands together and begging for divine intervention. And so Definitely not. Helping yourself is I see saying, no evidence in the Bible that, that that's the case either. Good. Thank you. We agree on that then too. Helping yourself comes with you are not exempt from the work of life your circumstances that you're going through, life doesn't give a shit. So Not you got to be able to fucking move forward. That's what you have to do. And then you have to look at every situation as if it is something that, that everybody has the opportunity to overcome or deal with. Everybody. doesn't matter what it is. And let me explain that to you. You know who Joan Didion is? She's a writer, tremendous writer, American novelist, just recently passed. What's her novels? What are the titles? Uh, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you a okay. couple. Yeah, send me a couple. So Joan Didion's a great writer, stoic in nature, but she understands philosophy, life philosophy, that, that circumstances don't care. Gives birth to this little girl, little girl gets sick. She takes her to the hospital. Husband and wife look at each other. Joan looks at her husband. Husband goes, I cannot go through this. Says to her, I can't deal. I can't deal. With it. And you know what Joan said? She goes, life doesn't give a shit if you think you can deal with it or not. You <laughs> Right. I'll, I'll add to that. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. I, I think, um, I think you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. Are you stoic? Dude, did you just convert? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I have read a lot of stoicism and I like it quite a lot. Marcus yeah. Aurelius is amazing. Yeah, Ken, you and I are both into Roman history. You're, you're yeah. both into the understanding. Okay, so here's a question for you to sure. maybe end right. this off or whatever. Yeah. I think we are at the fall of the Republic. That's where I think we are in history. If you look at America, if, you, if it's an analog to Roman history, I think what we're seeing is the rapid Death corruption. Of the Roman Empire? No, no. No, no. The end of the Roman Republic and the beginning of the Roman Empire. I think that's where we are. Hmm. America is in great shape. A great America is? America oh, yeah. Is, you're crazy, dude. I'm talking about like their geographic position, their economic growth, their yeah. their, their their demographics. Yeah. They're going to be fine. China's not going to be fine. No. China, China's, China's not going to be fine. Russia's not going to be fine. Not gonna be fine. No. Uh, no. India's going to be fine if they can hold their population together. Uh, but, but the world is about to become a very dangerous place. 
So here, let me ask you this question because um, there's a couple of things. You and this is again where you and I connect. We we believe talking about the fall of the republic. These conversations, this conversation will be the biggest conversation in the country for a few days. <laughs> true, true, true. You know why? Because why? Because we understand that things need to be done a little bit different. They have, you know? yeah. Well, here's here's what I would say: the system isn't broken. We are. We're not participating in our system. We're, we're assuming that you elect a politician and they go do the job. Yeah. We need to hold our politicians to what we want them to do. And that goes for the people who agree with what you believe and the people that agree with, with, with what I believe. Your responsibility as a citizen is to participate. And nothing would make me happier to see 80% voter turnout and to lose an election because that would mean people are engaged. And if we lose at 80% voter turnout, we don't deserve to win. Mm-hmm. If our ideas are so bad, the I believe in democracy, and I, and there's all these little funny I've broken democracy, blah blah blah. Nobody, there's never been this level of participation in a conservative party in Alberta. No, no, there's never been this much heat on a movement. We're watching people like us get together and say, "Hey, listen, we might not agree, we might not respect certain aspects of what each other individually believe, yeah. but we both want the same thing, which is this understanding the first principles need to be applied." Because do you know how many people have said to me over the past three days since they knew that you were coming on the show and we put out this article? Do you know how many people have said to me, "David Parker can't do that." You guys are not allowed to have this conversation. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I know. I know. Oh. How many people have said that to you? Everyone in my life. And, and there's two reasons for it. One is you're going to send, you did today, that's what this is, a Scud missile into the side of the good ship conservative federal movement. So you did that. Well, well, at least maybe a shot over the bow and hopefully they'll change course. Well, we've got a few more of these. It's a series of interviews, so we'll see. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, what what it is that I'm fascinated by is that you recognize that these parties are businesses and have been operating at the displeasure of the people they have been fleecing for a very, very, very long time. There's a reason that people hate politicians. Yeah, because they're liars, they're cheats, they're, they're thieves. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to tell you this, okay? Yeah. So my brother-in-law is a missionary. Telling, why do you keep telling me I'm not going to like something? Like, <laughs> my, because you don't like Christianity. No, but that's what I said. I don't like the extremes. <laughs> anyway, we'll go into it. We'll go into it. All right. Um, my brother-in-law is a missionary, and he and, and what he does is he goes into uh, uh, slums and teaches addicts how to how to recover. That's yeah. his life. And it's in third world countries where we can't even imagine the kind of pain and suffering they go through. And it's on an unfortunate part of the world where uh, Muslims are spending a lot of time killing Christians. Now, I don't blame Muslims here for that. And equally, I don't blame Chinese people here for the slaughter of the Muslims in China. Uh, I hope we don't bring other countries' problems over here. That's something I care about a lot. But he told me this. And I think this this could apply to everybody, even though it's a Christian principle. And he said a Christian principle of governance is this. First, you must be able to govern yourself. If you can't control your own emotions, then you shouldn't be doing anything else. But once you've done that, you need to try to fix your family. And uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this. Try to, try to love the people around you and help them and make sure they're doing well. 
And if you can do that with yourself, love yourself and take care of yourself, and you can do that with your family, then you should be given uh, responsibilities in larger organizations. And I don't see evidence of that from a lot of our politicians. I don't, they're not, they're not, they're not even able to govern themselves, let alone um, be a good manager of their family and children and relationships. So why are we giving them power? Why are we giving access to our bank accounts? Why are we giving them our tax dollars when they don't, yeah. they cannot keep legible records of vendors that they pay? Why but, are they hiding their funds? Why are they doing that? We're And here's the other thing. Why are we, why, how is it possible? And I'm going to ask you this question, then I'll let you split in a minute. How is it possible that a guy like Pierre Polyev has been able to flout financial rules? How is it possible that he's been able to, um, and, and, and maybe you know the answer to this. I don't know. This is a, this is a question we haven't talked about. How is it possible that he hasn't sat for his background check yet? No, that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that just today. I do not know the answer to that. My guess would be he doesn't want the liberals to take that information that will be leaked from them by CSIS and uh, use it against him. Uh, my, you know he my, hasn't sat for his Ensicott background check. I, I know, and I, and I wouldn't either if the liberals were in power because of how they've used the government to smash their political opponents, including me, by freezing my bank account. Um, they froze your bank account? They did, yeah. Were you at the convoy? No. Um, I had nothing to do with the convoy. They froze your uh, bank account for other reasons? Political reasons. Yeah, they just came after me. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I Well, it was uh, it was a bit of a story for a while, but you know, well, it is what it is. Million you had in a Scotia bank account or something like that? No, no, no. That, I, I'm going to make sure that $50 million gets taken out of Scotia by people that I know because of what they did. <laughs> and I will achieve that goal. But uh, And I will. You know I will. Right. But uh, that will just be to punish them for, for obeying tyrants, basically. All right. Uh, listen, dude, I, I uh, we're going to do another one of these. Uh, depending on obviously, yeah, we'll you know, see how it goes, right? Maybe, maybe no one will watch. So, <laughs> oh, people will watch. Uh, thanks for doing yeah, this. I just want to, I also wanted to thank you. Uh, I, I really respect how you're willing to have dialogue with people you don't agree with. And I hope, uh, I hope others will take from this that that's what we need to be doing to heal this nation. And that's why I started off the, the, uh, the interview by, saying a true statement, which is that I do forgive you, Justin Trudeau. And I hope everybody in this country does, because I think that will take all your power away. You're living off of our hate. Um, you need, again, let me remind you, those are provincial mandates and lockdowns. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the <laughs> I forgive him for making me hate my own country. That's what I forgive him okay, for. Okay, well, yeah, that, I can't help you there. That's something you're going to have to wrestle <laughs> David Parker, uh, Take Back Alberta, the director of Take Back Alberta, kind enough to give us your time today. Uh, appreciate the discourse. Um, we don't disagree that uh, the politics in this country have long since abused the privilege of your vote long since abused the privilege of your company, long since abused the privilege of your taxpayer dollars. You work very, very hard for it. Democracy is something that we all get to take part in. To David's yeah. point, even though he thinks I'm insane and I think he's insane, um, you know, we're trying to get people to understand how important it is to vote. We're trying to get people to understand how important it is to get active. And listen, if he and I can have this conversation knowing that in this country, 
you know, if you ask people, would Dean Blundell talk to David Parker on podcasts and how would it go? They'd never say it would go like this. But at the same time, I learned from him. He learns from me. And we have a human connection. I just Yeah, well, a very human connection because we're we fellow travelers. We are fellow travelers. Yeah, we really, really are. David, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. And can I, I just like to, to add one last thing. Yeah. Um, I would just like to say that I actually do believe that that Pierre Polyev could become the kind of man that he needs to be to stop Justin Trudeau and to heal this country. But I believe that he's got to take the uncomfortable steps necessary. And, and frankly, he will piss people off by not protecting their nominations. And he would, uh, he would get, he could get, you know, blackmailed by Jenny Byrne if he fired her, if she does have something on him. But I still think that if he takes the steps and does what's right and focuses on the truth, that he does have what it takes. Uh, and he's proven that in some ways. But he's just, I feel like he's going the wrong way. Is that an ultimatum? No, I, it's actually not. I, I'm really begging him not to go the wrong way because I want to beat Justin Trudeau. You and I probably don't differ on that. I think he has to go. I think it's... I think what he's done to this country is is really sad. Justin Trudeau? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a combination of fatigue for some people, and I think it's a combination of the pure unadulterated bullshit and 40 billion blackface photos. It's, it's, like, the, it's, the, it's the printing, man. It's the printing the money. He's, he's destroying our wealth. He's destroying our wealth. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in the okay. next interview. <laughs> All right. Uh, last, last question. Bit. Last question. Uh, yeah. And I'll let you split um, any parting words for Mr. Polyev and Ms. Byrne before we leave? Because there's another one of these coming. Uh, like I said, to Pierre, who I believe could be the future Prime Minister of Canada, please reconsider the direction that you're going and embrace democracy, truth, and transparency. And in the case of Jenny Byrne, I forgive you, but you need to be held accountable for what you've done. I take it that's not something you're going to just kind of walk away from. Is it? Well, well, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks, David. Good to see you. Talk to you soon. David Parker, Take Back Alberta. He is the director of Take Back Alberta. How's that? An hour and 40 minutes. Some conversation with a guy who lit it up this last week. Hey, listen, friends. I have spent three, we all have, three, four years operating in these like silos where you take everybody's word for it on social media and then you point your gun and you just pull the trigger at a noise, right? I'm not in it for that. I'm in it for a conversation. I love this country. I believe David loves this country. Um, I believe that if we decided, we as a country decided, we're not going to trust these people. We're not going to continue to do the way this has been done for the last 200 years. We're not going to not ask questions and not have conversations just because it might upset somebody. I don't give a shit. David doesn't give a shit. And he doesn't give a shit for the same reasons I don't give a shit. Is because for the last 200 years, they've just told you, you just sit there. You'll enjoy this prison gruel. It's delicious. You'll have a great time. They're going to put some raisins in it. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of those bad people. And you know what they've done? I'll tell you what the political ecosystem in North America has done. It's made you and I fight a culture war 
instead of fighting back in a class war, instead of pushing back against people who have abused the privilege of your vote and your dollars and your time and your health, they've abused it. You can talk about foundational issues in and around how they've done it, how the ideology of a certain group or the adopted opinions of a group have uh, aren't cool, but elections have consequences. They all do. And you can talk about how you're fighting for progressive values while you're swearing at somebody, telling them you're going to dox them and you're going to come get them. That's not progressive. You can talk about Christian values while you're calling someone a cuck or telling them to go F themselves. Those aren't Christian values. Those are human beings. Those are human beings that are angry. And everybody in this country is angry for some reason. And they want to tell you who to be angry at, right? If David listened to culture and I listened to culture, they would tell us to hate each other, be angry at each other. You don't. You know why? Because we are both courageous individuals. Say what you like about the tone and tenor of what Mr. Parker's been up to for the past little bit, which I disagree with. But then we have a conversation like normal adults. We don't say, you can't have that conversation. You know how many people told David he wasn't allowed to have this conversation today? I do. Lots. You know how many people have told me I wasn't allowed to have this conversation? Tons. Tons. People I respect. Well, you're going to do this. It'll upset that person. I don't give a shit anymore. You shouldn't either. None of us should. We should get motivated people to do the same thing, which is motivate you to do the same thing, and so on and so on and so on. It's like a shampoo commercial. <laughs> and if we can do that, if we can do that, we'll have a chance as a country to separate ourselves from everybody else who says they're Democrat. Right? Because every idea should be able to live in the same place, and you're the merit of those ideas should be able to attach themselves to people in proper ways, not in collusive ways, not in rigging nominations, if what David Parker said is correct. Not by bullying people, not by treating people like shit, not by telling people you're something and then telling, and then us knowing that you're not Pierre Polyev. We know. We know. We just had two thought leaders from two different sides come together and go, see corrupt, yep, see corrupt, yep. They measure in drapes, yep. Look into the vendor list with conservative fund. Start asking those questions. Start asking those questions of this prime minister as well. Apply the same filter to everybody, every single person, every party. Because you know what you have now? Not our best. You have people willing to literally trade their values in for a pension and 265 grand a year and a ride to this thing and Uber there. It's not what David's in for. Dude's hardline. And while I disagree with the hardline things he represents, he's also not in it for the same things I'm not in it for, which is the same shit. It's time for change. It's super simple. Change starts with conversation, activism, putting down your bullshit, not getting personal and saying, hey, listen, and I believe the same thing to be true that Mr. Parker believes, is that you do not get to decide what happens to you and around you. You get to decide how to respond to it. That's it. Amor fati, the love of fate. You know what that means? I do. It's Latin for the love of fate. <laughs> Coincidentally. And I have a tattooed here for a reason why I'm with mental more. I'll tell you why, and I'll let you figure out the rest of the podcast. And send your hate tweets, I don't care. 
Amor fate means love of fate. It's Latin. I welcome everything that happens, and I will deal with it properly, and I will respond well in my best interest. That is your job. In life, memento mori, a little more dark, means remember you're going to die. So I'm in it for the right reasons. Are you? Are you as a Canadian in it for the right reasons? You don't get to decide when you leave this planet. You get to decide what you do when you're here and what is important to you and what you will stand for. It's why I disagree with other people, but I respect when they stand there and they don't change their minds. Mr. Parker's not going to change his mind. Pierre Polyev changes his mind, his looks, his glasses <laughs> every five minutes to convince you that he's someone that you can trust. You cannot. You cannot trust politicians. Can you trust the Liberal Party of Canada? I do not trust any party in this country to do what is in my best interest or the best interest of the human beings because they will do what is in the best interest of familial generational wealth and anybody who's attached to that wealth. Remember that because that's been going on for 200 years. Big fan of history. Let's learn from it. Thanks to David Park for being part of the show. Thank you for spending some time with us. And Jenny, if you're watching, Jenny, other people's lawyers, <laughs> can't get them. <laughs> oh, I got to get a couple in there, too. Anyway, surf's up. Let's have some fun over the next couple of months. Have a great day, everybody. Really appreciate you being here. As always, we're brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io, uh, software that is being beta tested right now. It is a disinformation killer on social media, news, URLs, any picture, video. There's a Shazam feature coming. Several versions get in on the ground floor now. I cannot stress this enough. Listen, I stand for accountability facts. I stand for doing the right thing. And I also want that information. If I can't be right, I want to be right. And you need to be right with factcheck.io. Social media bombings, lies, misreported pictures, misrepresented videos, everything gets pushed through a filter and it sits above AI. And there you go, friends, you will get the full epistemology of anything you want to know if it is true in written picture, video, or spoken word. Go to factcheck.io, sign up for the beta test today, factcheck.io. Do you believe? Also brought to you by Ed's Fine Imports. Uh, underwear made for men, every level of performance. You can run, walk, or sprint through your day. Super soft, barely there. Fabric, keeping you cool with moisture wicking action. No funk either. They've got a big pouch made by a Canadian for Canadians. So, you know, the pouch is a little bit bigger than they don't bring in America or anywhere around the world. Uh, Gitch3 is your promo code. Gitch3. Engineered for any level of performance as well as everyday life. Boxer briefs, pouch in the front, bunch of colors. The only place you can get them is Ed Fine's, Ed's Fine Imports. And he'll give you 15% off your entire purchase and receive exclusive access when you give him your email address. Ed'sfineimports.com. Luxury boxer briefs. Gitch. You love them. Guaranteed. I love them. Whatever you know. Um, use Massage Spa. Body House. The best in the city of Toronto. 1290 Finch Avenue West. Unit 13. I love these girls. We had Emily on last week. She was tremendous. She's an educator and owner of Muse Massage Spa. Her and Riley have a podcast called Muse on the Mic. And you can go to Muse on the Mic and learn all about the sex work industry. These ladies are entertaining. They're funny. They take you behind the scenes of owning a body rub parlor. They talk about advocacy in the sex work industry. And it is all found on their Patreon channel, Uncensored. Patreon views on the mic as well. You can get everything they do at Cryer Media. Go to Cryer.co and sign up for their podcast. Anywhere you get podcasts, audio, video, doesn't matter. they got a YouTube channel, Muse on the Mic. And brought to you by Cantorque, makers of rugged, hardworking torque wrenches in Canada for Canadians and heavy industry around the world for the last 20 years. They have all the experience and knowledge. 
Uh, and when it comes to the custom fabrication, distribution, repair, calibration of tools, they rent them, they make them. Cantorque offers a complete range of services and products, making them your one-stop destination for your bolted needs, saving you time, effort, and hassle. Torque wrenches and heavy machinery uh, solutions for bolting problems that a lot of people have. Nuclear, railroad, doesn't matter. Uh, these guys do it for big, boring tunnel machines around the world. They're heavy industry over in Dubai. I think Colin just got back from like uh, United Arab Emirates. I mean, these guys are it in the industry. So if you're looking for a torque wrench solution or a bolting solution, go to cantorque.com today. Have a great day. That was good. I mean, whatever. God, life takes some crazy turns, doesn't it? I know some people who are watching this. Hi. <laughs>